What's up, Fight Fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Wednesday, July 10th, 2019. My name is Gabriel. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV. And I am joined by my lovely co-host, Miss Natalie. Hello, Double G. What's going on? Happy Wednesday. I believe that's the day today. Happy hump day. We are rolling along. I am back in lovely, sunny California after my Las Vegas adventure. And Natalie, let me just tell you, there is so, so much that goes into those big fight weeks. I really had no idea. It was crazy. (laughs) What was crazier, uh, that whole experience or being in Vegas and feeling uh, some earthquakes? Okay, so I was actually at the Hall of Fame ceremony. I was in my seat watching Rashad Evans give the speech when it happened. And let me tell you something. It was the most surreal thing. I'm in the same row as Adesanya and Ganu, Kamaru (laughs) Usman. Um, They they had like these big banners with Michael Bisping and Rashad and Rich Franklin's face on it, right? They looked very stationary. And I feel it in my feet. And then, you know, Rashad is still trying to power through his. He could. It was just like. Speech. My imagination that's happening. Banners start to sway. You see everybody just react to it. And it was, um, it was a crazy. Credit to Rashad. He. He was not going to be bothered by that speech. Like, he kept on, he stopped for a little, for a couple, it was nothing, so. Yeah. But it, you know, you had that moment where you look up at the. So, it, it was an experience. That's crazy, man. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, I didn't even know that. I mean, I only think about our area here in California. I didn't even, uh, I wouldn't have figured that there were any faults that could be felt, you know, or earthquake could be felt out in Vegas. That is, uh, <laughs> that is crazy, man. Yeah, it was definitely an experience. Um, for you, though, how was it enjoying Fight Week? Yeah, it was good. I mean, um, it was actually pretty chill i just enjoyed it like a regular fan and, and just uh caught up with the content that everyone was pushing out and uh it was fun and you had some good interviews there i really enjoyed that stuff and uh and then we had the earthquake so that was fun too <laughs> then what about you did you experience anything bad no not bad man i mean it was far enough away like and look i mean i don't know what part of la or you know you grew up in but like me like growing up in Montebello like earthquakes were a part of my childhood and so this these two were really really mild and just like wavy kind of rolling almost fun uh so it was not scary but um you definitely start thinking like okay is this just the beginning of of the big one uh but no damage we were far enough away I feel for the folks that were you know at the epicenter around Bakersfield or Searles Valley wherever uh, a little bit further east, but uh, nah, we were pretty chill over here. It was just like something to talk about, and then the news was going nonstop with uh, with all their Instagram coverage. 
It's funny because it's like all is lost. Just like, is it really though? I mean, don't get me wrong. There were a few people hurt and best wishes to them. But, you know, for the most part, like, I think that's a very interesting word to say. But it's like, it was fun. You know, it was like, well, that's different. I think that's yeah, a like, lot of people's first time really experiencing that much rolling, to be honest. Yeah, usually we don't get rolling like that. Yeah, you're right. It's usually jolted, bouncing, and uh, if. But I'll tell you what, it was a the second one. I think was like a seven, seven one or six nine or something. If that had happened here in LA, that would have been yep terrible. I mean, that would have been highly destructive. So, um, you know, because it was in, in a fairly remote area. There was obviously damage, but nothing terrible. And uh, oh well, just keep waiting for the big one. <laughs> well, I don't think it's going to be hitting us for a while. I think the earth has gotten some of its stress out, so I think we're going to be okay. But we have a ton of fights to talk about. It's uh, If last week was the preview show, then today is the UFC 239 recap. Let's get it started with the main event, John Jones and Tiago Santos. The general sentiment was this was a weird fight. When you consider the talent and the weapons on both guys, the fact that it played out the way it did for five rounds was very interesting. What was your assessment of the fight? It was definitely strange, but I'll tell you what, I was still off the edge of uh, the edge of my seat the whole time because you never knew when Jones was going to say, "All right, I got you completely figured out. I'm just going to go I'm just going to go crazy. He never did, but I kept waiting for him to just kind of like cut loose a little bit. And then Santos for his part, my goodness, what, what a, what a human being. I mean, he was clearly injured. His leg kept, kept giving out on him. You could tell that he didn't have any more punch and power in his punches or as much, but he just kept going forward, man. I was really impressed with him. So uh, I wasn't bored. It was strange because you know, you have the injury and John Jones, playing it very cautiously and he admitted to to that at the end of the fight uh i uh i would love to see a rematch someday down the line after santos heals up his leg which as you as you know was like he tore like every ligament in his knee which is terrible so uh i think a healthy santos against jones would be uh now that we see how much grit santos has more than we already thought when he's healthy i think it'll be a heck of a of a fight and again, I still enjoyed it. I was I was still like, you know, biting my uh, my fingernails there, waiting for something crazy to happen. Yeah, you know, I think that's the biggest thing is that for such a dramatic fight, you really didn't have a good solid knockdown. It was a lot of off balance and stuff and all that for and, you know, you're watching a guy they call the best ever in John and an absolute machine and powerhouse in Santos. It made it interesting. Um like yourself, you know, you, you watch Santos get injured and still come forward. So the heart and obviously, you know, just a testament to the power on that man. Um, for me, the real impressive thing was Jones' movement. Um, there were, he really was on point, and that was the key to a victory, was that every time Santos came forward, he was out of the way. He never, ever was stuck right in front of Santos. Even when Santos came forward, he covered up... Um, the real damage was in the leg kicks for both guys, obviously. Um, Santos did beat up the legs of Jones, which I said was one of his keys to victory. You want to do something and do damage, and he did that. Jones obviously returned the favor a lot, and Santos... Um, that weird second round where Santos just 
you know, really puts that momentum into the kick and almost tears his own knee. I guess just his size and the momentum, he really just put too much on it. And when it didn't meet the leg, that it, it just kind of tore it off the wrong way. Just a very interesting fight. But once again, uh, Jones respected the power of Santos late, which was a smart idea when you saw how he was throwing. And it made for a really good, really tense fight, if not the most... Um, exciting back and forth knockdown drag out battle that maybe people thought we'd get so that's really what we got now it raises the question and we'll obviously talk about some of the other fights in depth in a minute particularly on this card but john jones retains by split decision we move first did you have the fight for jones that way you know i kind of thought santos Santos won it. You know, it wasn't like a hundred percent clear cut victory, but I thought, you know what? I could see one, two, one, one for sure, five for sure, and I could, I would give him two. You know, I think two is the round that's in question for everybody. So you kind of just have to be satisfied with, well, it could have gone either way, and Jones is the champion, so that's fine. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I would have not been uh, shocked. I would have been pleased if Santos got the nod, especially having to overcome the injury injuries really um but you know not surprised that it went to jones they always say you know you got to really beat the champion to 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 get that belt and uh i guess i guess it wasn't enough but he got one round uh, one one uh one of the judges scored the fight for him so that's a big win as far as you know the legacy of john jones goes what about you what was the I thought the Gustafson fight was a split decision too? No, it may not have been, but I, I know that was another competitive one that wasn't a shutout for John. Um, I had it. I, I looking back, I mean, I should have had those numbers now. I had it the same. There were a bunch of rounds close. Um, I want to say I thought the fourth one was the the decider, and you're saying it's the second. That's a testament to what the kind of fight this was. I think the thing is, John was a little more accurate, maybe a little more volume in moments. But Santos, when he got close, his shots were going to be the more telling. And I think that was really the key to the fight is the slow accumulation of kicks wasn't as dramatic, didn't look as, quote, significant as some of Santos' shots coming at John were. And I think that's what led to a very, very interesting fight and one that you knew was going to come down to interesting scorecards. But I did have it, you know, when you asked me at the end of it, I was like, you know what? The judges see the damage that's going on with Santos. It's going to edge out just a bit to John. And that's what we got. Moving forward, obviously, the light heavyweight division is very interesting. Everyone wants to see Jones move up to fight DC if DC wins next month. But he says there's a lot of work to do at 205. Natalie, what is next, honestly? So I'm looking at the rankings, and I guess it's Dominic Reyes. But who do I really want to see him fight? And I'm surprised now that he's ranked so low. I thought he would have been higher. Uh, is Johnny Walker, and that's who I've wanted to see fight him for a while, just because he's so fun and different. and and uh, He's a breath of fresh air, isn't he? Yeah, breath of fresh air. And I would love to see that fight. Just mix it up, you know. Everyone's been like, I'm going to, it's so serious about wanting to dethrone John Jones. And yeah, of course, Johnny Walker would want the same thing, but let's have some fun with it. Although I think I read Jones wants to wait until December to come back now, which I guess yep. we're in July. That's not so far away. 
I don't know if Johnny Walker's healed yet from his post <laughs> victory uh, celebration. And uh, but I doubt they'll give it to him. He's ranked twelfth. I mean, you know. He he has two or three fights in UFC right now. Yeah. I think he just is still on his second one, if I'm not mistaken. Obviously coming up from contender series. Uh you know what? Look, uh, that's a testament to the personality and the, you know, I'll say the flavor that he's bringing to the octagon, which is obviously a big deal when you consider, you know, how hard it is to stand out in the sport. Johnny Walker, he's getting there. As much as fun as it would be to watch him, he's another tall dude, stand and trade with John. Just not there yet. Um, Dominic Reyes makes a lot of sense. Uh, I, I, let me toss this one out. Jan Blahovich. Yeah, you, of course. Is, is he ahead of Dominic Reyes, in your opinion? I think, yeah. I mean, on the rankings right now, he's if they updated yeah. it after his win, he's gone up one spot, so he's now fifth. But yeah, I think if, if they want to make a fight that attracts more attention, Jan just knocking the heck out of Luke Rockhold, that's, that's definitely enough to do it. So... Uh, I don't know why I forgot about him, but yeah, uh, I would rather I, I see Jan everyone did. I noticed even in the post-fight press conference, that's why I asked him, it's like, Jan, do you believe you are ahead of the Johnny Walkers and Dominic Reyes of the division with this one? And, you know, it seemed like an afterthought because I think, look, he's known for being a, he fought a bunch on fight pass and early prelims. He hasn't gotten a lot of TV time before the fight with Santos. So it was like, you know. This is a guy who's been putting in work for a while. Um, for my money, I think the Rockhold win makes more sense if you have to give John a light heavyweight period. I know that Johnny Walker wants Corey Anderson. If he can return in Abu Dhabi is what he told us at the fights. Uh, Dominic Reyes is right there. If you give it to him, it makes a lot of sense too. And maybe a little more hype around Dominic for the fact that he's had more TV time, I think compared to Jan, but that that Rockhold knockout, and which we'll talk about a little bit later, uh, I feel like that's it. It's going to be between Jan and Dominic Reyes if you're going to give Jan another light heavyweight. And um, obviously, let's see how he heals up. I don't know if he was sore or if he has really significant damage to his knees and legs too. He was obviously wheelchaired out of the arena, but yeah, that's another one to watch for uh, John Jones. And obviously, we're going to wait and see. There's not going to be a fight for either man. I think um, Dominic and Jan are going to wait. They're not going to sign for on the dotted line until they know Jan is out indefinitely, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, maybe things will get changed up. DC wins and he moves, you know, John decides that the, the time is now. That's another option, for sure. Oh, boy. I mean, you've heard me say it a hundred times. I really don't want to see that fight at, at any either of those weight classes. But, yeah, man, it's probably going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think anything happens until after DC wins or loses, plain and simple. Or even Stipe. I mean, that's not a bad fight either. Hey, did DC Moving look on. a little, um, sorry, I know you want to go move on, but did he no, look a ahead. little like, was he like limping or was he kind of walking kind of funny? You know what? I only saw him for a minute at the press conference, the big one on Friday. Yeah. He, I didn't really see anything significant. I think really... The only way I could say it is DC didn't want to add to the Jones narrative, so it was awkward for him to be there mm. on a John Jones fight week. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. All right. Do you feel like he was? Do you think he was it, still? He was moving to me. He was just walking a little like stiff legged, and so I thought, oh, okay. 
Do you think that he had allergies and had one of those bad sneezes again? Uh, yeah, probably, probably <laughs> something like that, man. I, it's, you know, look, we're, you're still, you're still a young man, but, uh, us older folks, things throw you out of whack pretty easily and then it's hard to uh, recover. So, <laughs> I mean, he says it and it's like DC, just, that's not the sign of having a long career left ahead of you, man. I'm just saying. Just saying. <laughs> no, but, um. Look, we'll, obviously, we'll wait and find out, you know? Hey, imagine if John Jones steps in on short notice against Stipe if something were to happen to DC. Dude, that would just burn DC so hard. That would, that would be epic. <laughs> no, but, um, you know, MMA fantasies, as they say. Yep. Moving on to the co-main event, Amanda Nunes needs less than five minutes to get the stoppage over Holly Holm. Uh, Natalie, this one for my money, I thought that Holly would be able to maintain the distance a little better. I felt like Amanda, it it was just another odd fight. I feel like Holly was just still trying to read and make adjustments when Amanda really got her in that awkward position, catches the kick, Holly stays in front of her, and, um, you know, just Amanda right in range for the head kick, and that's all she wrote. She gets, um... Similar to JDS and Nganu that we talked about last week, just as soon as um, Amanda had her there, Holly didn't have anywhere to go. She was just going to take more damage um, in route to being stopped. And I think the ref made a safety stoppage. Holly wasn't out, but she wasn't going to get out of that position either against a very fresh Amanda Nunes. Yeah, man, that, that was hard because we both picked Nunes to win. And I think we both, as you said at the start, uh, figured Holly would be able to keep the distance and play a smart uh have a smart fight but she just got stuck like literally i think her brain froze she got stuck with her leg in the air and yep. didn't didn't for whatever reason couldn't react fast enough to either you know she could have thrown herself backwards or spun around i mean something but she just got stuck with her leg half cocked and uh you know nunez just had the faster the faster reaction and she caught her, she caught her clean. And there's something, there's something twisted in a, in a cool way about a, a fighter who says like Jones says it too. Like, I want to beat you at what you're best at. And you know, you, you knock people out with head kicks. That's what you're known for. So here we go. A taste of your own medicine. So it was a bummer. I did think at first the ref called it too soon when they replayed her, her, when they replayed it and you could see the ref trying to help her up she couldn't she couldn't really stay on her feet so i i you know realized it was the completely right call she was done she would have just as you said eaten more shots and for what but damn i didn't see that coming i really didn't um nunez just murked her she owned her and that was that was hard to watch man because it was it wasn't a you know strategic like overall strategic failure it was just a you know momentary lapse and in synapses, uh, you know, short circuit or something. It was a, a bad mistake, and she got caught badly. Yeah, and, and look, Holly Holm isn't a girl that goes away quietly. Let's say it like it is, you know. The fact that Amanda was able to do that was just like, whoa. And, yeah, once again, uh, um, it wasn't an out-technical. Nunez had to break her down, or it, it really just was. I think that Holly got stuck, like you said. I think that she just... um. I think she was just still figuring out Amanda, very bluntly. When I look at that fight, honestly, it's like, I just don't think Holly was, you know, in her rhythm. And part of that is credit to the firepower of Amanda Nunes. You can't take anything away, but that fight was still getting going, in my opinion. But once again, that's the fight game. We talked about it with JDS and Nganu, and 
you know, a lot of other fights that we're going to talk about, you know, soon. So I think that that's really what it is. Uh, and we'll obviously revisit this because we have fights uh, to talk about at the end of the show, too. But what is next for Amanda Nunes? Um, very bluntly, if Chris Cyborg doesn't re-sign after beating Fel- or after a fight with Felicia Spencer later this month, let's not jump ahead. It's very hard to, for me to see Amanda moving up to 145. I think that she may feel she doesn't have anything to prove against uh, Felicia Spencer or a Megan Anderson. That would mean the Aspen Ladd Jermaine Durandamy fight makes a lot of sense, um, depending on who wins on Saturday. Natalie, for your money, what do you think we will see when it's all over? I really don't know because of this weird Dana White, Chris Cyborg, you know, rift, which I guess has always been there. Um, I would like to see, I guess, Nunes Cyborg too. That that seems like a fun fight. Cyborg will fight will come out more uh, patient I, I expect <laughs> not to not go brawler mode but I don't know what to make of this he said she said thing with Cy- Cyborg seems like a honest like decent person and so when she says that that they never offered her the fight or that you know Dana White's lying about offering her the fight I just am inclined to believe her. And so when Dana White is so adamant about saying she's lying, it's like, okay, man, like now what? Like, what's, who do we believe? I have no idea. So that's just very weird to me. Um, I want to see Cyborg get the best deal that she can for the last part of her career. I don't think that's going to be at the UFC with the UFC. So we probably will never see Nunez Cyborg too, but just looking at the names on the on the you know on paper, that's who I'd like to see fight uh, Nunez next. Uh, I'm with you completely. I would love to see it. I would have loved to see that fight go longer. I would have loved to see both women test themselves. At the end of the day, yeah, as much as I know, Cyborg would love to get that W back against a woman as tough as Amanda. I think that the business part of things is going to lead that fight to just not happen. I don't think that Cyborg is inclined to sign a long deal with um, the UFC after everything that's been going on. I think that she sees, you know, and we're going to talk about it close to the end of the show, Julia Budd out there and maybe adding that feather to her cap. Maybe a Kayla Harrison, maybe a, you know, little bit of a run in one championship or rising somewhere like that. But I just don't think that she sees UFC as, something she really needs to have in that, you know, to be a part of anymore just after everything she's done. And, you know, once again, that's, I'm sure the competitor in Cyborg wants that uh, Amanda fight back. Who wouldn't? But I just don't think that the business-wise is going to happen. I will agree with you. That is the fight to watch. Absolutely. And it's the one that gets me far more excited. Um, In terms of what's next, though, I do think that... um, It'll be Jermaine, uh, the winner of Jermaine and Aspen. Uh, Credit to Felicia Spencer. Let's say she pulls the upset and gets a big win over Chris Cyborg. I can still see Amanda maybe entertaining that one if, you know, depending on who's healthier after the end of it. If Aspen or Jermaine are beat up, maybe she says, hey, let's do Felicia 145 at the end of the year. Something like that. I can see that happening, but I don't, you know. The cyborg fight is such a long shot, even though it's the one we all want, for sure. Yeah. 
Moving on, this one. We have so much to talk about. This fight lasted forever. Jorge Masvidal <laughs> comes out the cage. Goes for the flying knee on Ben Askren. They said official time, five seconds. Technically, Ben Askren was asleep at two and a half. Fact is, he records the fastest knockout in UFC history. Uh, take it away, wherever you want to talk about it. That's I mean, you know, start. Jesus Christ. I, I don't like... It was such a boring fight. I don't even know where to start. Uh, no, the Ben Askren was me, winning that fight before the. He was clearly it. winning. Yes, um, they replayed the fight in its entirety so many times that I noticed a man sitting in the front row, just behind the cage, looking down at his phone <laughs> when the fight started, and then missing the whole knockout because he was staring down at his phone, only to look up when Mazadal was landing like punch two of three. So that man probably feels like a big dork. And that's how, how fast that fight was because I was able to notice that after like five replays. Uh, but that was amazing. And like, it again, I've watched this thing so many times that like the, the voice in my head is like John Anik saying um, something, uh, fight stats or whatever, time clock bought, brought to you by Modelo. Because like that's all you hear before Nishar uh, Masvidal knocks out Ben Askren. Everybody starts screaming. That was incredible. It happened so fast that, you know, it's one of those, it takes you a second to process. I didn't realize he was out. I didn't realize what had really happened. And I got to say, man, I know normally I feel bad for the fighter that gets hit when they're out, but this was just a really cool, like movie moment. And uh, for that alone, I was, I was pretty fired up with Masvidal's reaction uh, or, you know, when he punches him twice, I feel bad saying that he punches him twice and then he like slaps the canvas and then he does his fake, you know, knockout later. It was just a, a heck of an experience. That guy is something special and uh, good on Ben Askren for coming, uh, going on the Helwani show and, you know, taking his lumps and saying, well, you know, you talk smack, then I, I'm not surprised that he hit me a few extra times. That's what happened. So. I mean, what did you think? You were there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just say right now, I was one of them idiots that looked down. Damn! Come on, man. <laughs> I know, I know, <laughs> man. It was. I was backstage. We just talked to Kiesa or somebody, and I was hitting like upload or something on our content, and they're saying Fight Club brought to you by. Oh, you know, it was that whole reaction, and I was like, wait, what? No. Um, and then, you know, oh, the media tent, by the way, was all, everybody was stunned. Everybody, there was no unbiased. We were all in shock and reacting, everything like that. We realized what just happened. It was crazy. Um, I can't add anything that you didn't already say. It's just amazing. Um, uh, wow. I mean, uh, I, I will say, I thought the shots after the fact were dirty. Like, man, you already put him to sleep, like, <laughs> flat out. Flat like, out. Michael Bisping asleep, you know what I mean? You didn't uh -huh. need it, but um, Ben Askren took it like a man, so I, I guess I can't really complain further about that. The only thing I will say is that Ben Askren, he has that awkward moment where he stops in the middle as Jorge's coming at him and tries to go, ducks, puts his head down for the takedown, and similar to, I know I've talked about this a lot, it's because it encapsulates it a lot. JDS turning his back to Nganu in that bad moment, it's like, what? You know, <laughs> just take, 
three steps to, you know, half a step to your left, you're still fighting and trying to take him down, Ben. But yeah. um, I don't know what it was, Ben. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe he probably doesn't even remember why he stopped right there for the takedown. Maybe he thought he would be able to grab the legs faster than uh, Jorge was flying at him. But the fact is, he stops right there with his head down. He was always going to get knocked out in that scenario. And yeah, that's all she wrote. Um, scary performance, scary dude. Um, I got to talk to him about being, you know, Jesus Jorge. If you guys haven't seen it, check it out. It's a lot of fun. But, um, look, he's turned the corner. He's had some great performances over Darren Till, over Ben now. He's been in the game for a while. He is making noise at the right time for a title shot. And that's all there is to it. The question. Kobe Covington is fighting Robbie Lawler in less than a month. What the heck is going to happen? By the way, Dana White's saying that they're not booking any fights or calling anyone next until they know for sure that Kamaru Usman will be healthy and ready this year. So let me toss it back to you, Natalie. What do you think we'll see in the welterweight division? I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know, double hernia surgery. That sounds pretty serious. I don't remember when he had it. Like, what's his what's his timetable for returning, actually? What is, like, his supposed it, timetable? I thought he said his target was, like, November, the Madison Square Garden card. Okay. If everything goes well, we're assuming. Yeah, man, that's that's tough. You know, depending on where those, those ruptures were, uh, I haven't heard anything in detail, and I guess I kind of don't want to because hernias are kind of gross. But yep. I think it's got to go to Jorge unless like something even more spectacular happens in the Robbie Lawler Colby Covington fight just like Jorge made the name he made a name for himself like he's he's a bigger name than than Colby and Robbie right now he's got the hype so it just makes sense now we're in July let's see November I don't know just I don't know if Jorge said like he's itching to get back in there I mean, he obviously wasn't hurt, so I don't know if he would like something sooner. He already said he doesn't mind fighting Colby. You know, he says, "Yeah, we're we were training partners, but this is uh, this is business, and that's that," which I appreciate. So I think if you're Dana White, if you're the UFC, you want you want to make Jorge uh, uh, Usman, and like, come on, man, they don't care about Colby Covington. <laughs> they uh, they don't care. So. That's to me, that's not even he's not even really part of the story. I hate to say it because Colby had a very, you know, people know how I feel about Colby Covington's uh, antics. But the fact is, he played his cards right at in March when Kamaru beat Tyron and he set himself up. The fact is, there is not one thing he can say that is going to be more dramatic than that five second knockout, if you ask me. Um he could very easily shut down uh, Robbie Lawler with the wrestling. We could see that happening. He just grinds and wears him down um, against a very tough guy and a very exciting guy in Robbie. That's not going to beat a five-second knockout of this proportion, plain and simple. So I think that, you know, really, unless Kamaru is, you know, takes longer and they have to make another fight, let's say, uh, interim with Jorge, I just don't see Colby Covington being next. I think that he is honestly going to have to wait until after Jorge gets his shot if Kamaru is healthy. And mind you, that's a big if. Robbie Lawler is no joke. Robbie Lawler can put him out very easily in that situation. So 
I think that for my money, it's going to be hard to see Kobe get it unless somebody else gets hurt, plain and simple. And yeah. Again, that's always assuming he beats Robbie. That is not a guarantee by any means. Not a guarantee. He's been out for a long time. And yeah, his style is such that he just, he can eat a knee. And one of those shots from Robbie, I and mean, Robbie's a good wrestler too. He took, we saw him do a little bit of work with Askren before he got turned around. Yep. Uh, so yeah. I would be terrified to fight, fight Robbie Lawler. And, uh, and yeah, there's no guarantees there. In fact, what I'm, kind we of, all... I'm kind of rooting for Lawler on this one. <laughs> what, what do we all be terrified to fight Robbie Lawler? I, I would be terrified that... to shake his hand. I mean, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, I, I, let me just tell you something. I got to meet Francis Ngannou at the Hall of Fame the other day. And it was uh, like I looked up at that man and I realized, like, I get it. I get why people think you're scary. You are that. He is a massive human being, let me tell you. So I feel like Nganu might be the only guy scarier than uh, Robbie Lawler in terms of just, you know, it, the size of Nganu was it. By the way, very nice guy. Let me just say he was a very, you know, seemed just a pleasant dude. But Robbie Lawler is just that guy that it's like, yeah, <laughs> I can't imagine hanging out with Robbie for a pizza. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Um <laughs> I mean, I've said that about a few fighters. Don't get me wrong. I get, you know, everyone's got their vibe, but, you know. Yeah, uh, what do you talk to Robbie Lawler about over a slice of pizza? I have no idea. Hey, man, did you watch that one show on Netflix? <laughs> What's Netflix? <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but, hey, we love you, Robbie. You know, you always put on a show, man. Um, but, yeah, I think that that's the welterweight division in a nutshell. Unless someone gets hurt, I can't see anyone... Besides Jorge getting a title shot against uh, Kamaru Usman. Um, moving on, uh, the light heavyweight division, and obviously we mentioned it already. Luke Rockhold moves up. It is not enough against Jan Blahovich. Uh, Natalie, I think on this one, and I asked Rockhold this, and I feel like we saw it. His shots just weren't doing the kind of damage they always did at 185. And I said that that was going to be a very big key is that Luke, so much of his success, he's so well multifaceted and powerful that at 185, most of his shots do a lot of serious damage. He just did not have that against Jan. I think that Jan weathered the early storm and he was able to figure him out. Obviously caught Luke in a bad position with his hands down at close range with that left hook in the second round. That is all she wrote. But I think that Luke at 185 landing those kicks probably does damage that Jan can't move. At 205, Jan took him and kept on coming. I think he defended He defended himself, didn't take serious damage, and he still had the awareness in the second round, and that's what got the job done. Yeah, I think uh, Rockhold was doing good work. If He could have, you know, broken Blachowicz down with volume. He was landing good strikes, and then he went in for the like the takedown, he pushed him against the cage and you can see he had like no power. It was so bizarre. Why did he do that? I have no idea why that was an instinct that, that clicked for him because that's not, I mean, you know, he has a good ground game, but that's not the kind of fighter that he's, that he was at 185. He could have, if he had kept it on the feet, I think he could have done more damage. He could have just picked him apart and maybe he still would have gotten knocked out, but at least he could have had a better outing, a better showing. And, you know, when you just see them standing next to each other, they look like completely different weight classes. Jan's head is like twice the size of Luke's head. His neck is like twice as thick. So, 
you know, I was surprised that Luke had that weird game plan or, you know, chose to, to move in that direction anyway. I don't know if that was initially their strategy, but uh, he did what I thought he would do ultimately. And he, you know, when he was, I should say when he was showing and just training videos, still keeping that right hand down. And now it's like, everybody knows it's his Achilles heel. You just got to wait for your opening and boom. So not surprised. Yeah, I, and I mean, uh, to his credit, he kind of got caught in a different position than I've seen him. You know, the Bisping, the Yo Romero, the David Branch fights where he's kind of backing up and takes it. That one, he just kind of got stuck and he was he got he got caught standing right in front of front of Jan with the hand a little low. But um, yeah, I think that that's the biggest thing is that when you see him really try to take down Jan. The 185 Luke against the bigger middleweights gets that takedown. You watch the fight with Chris Weidman, he gets that takedown. Easily. Yes, this was a very different thing. And maybe that's him still changing his body and, you know, needs to work on being a more natural 205er and the weight and the um, strength and conditioning. At the end of the day, though, I think that the strategy, he seemed to want to tie up Jan and, I really, like you said, I feel like if he had tried to get in and out with some more volume, he probably gets that done in a 15-minute fight, but it just wasn't meant to be. He breaks, uh, Jan breaks Luke's jaw. We're most likely not going to see him back um, until 2020, I feel like, with that kind of injury. Um, He's been very inactive recently anyway, which is very unfortunate because he's a very talented martial artist, but I think that we don't see him for a minute. Let's revisit it again, though. Jan over a Dominic Reyes or someone like that. Do you think that he did enough for it? Like, let's say they said, you know what? John Jones is going to be healthy. We're doing Jan versus John Jones in December. What do you feel like that's enough? Do you feel like you'd be okay with it if the heavyweight fight doesn't happen for John? Yeah, I would. It's a, like, yeah, like we said, it's a, you know, Rockhold's still a big name. And uh, it would have been more exciting if he had won just because of the DC Rockhold Jones storyline you could have made out of that. Because you know that if Rockhold won, they would have given him the title shot. Oh, yeah. Just for the storyline. Uh, but Jan did a, a, it was an impressive enough knockout. I mean, it was one of three on the main card. And uh, it's, you know, it set us up for two more amazing ones. He did, he did, he had a great, a great performance. So, yeah, I think. You know, after we talked about it out a little bit, I would say I would rather see Jan over Dominic Reyes. When's the last time Dominic Reyes fought? I feel like it's been a while. He fought early spring, I thought. Okay, then I just missed it. And uh, and once again, he is still like him and Johnny Walker. They're still on the upswing, but they're not at the top of the swing yet. Yes, they're doing well, but they're not getting. They haven't had that big top three, top four fight you know, that gets them there yet. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing is that for the most part, they are still getting there, quote unquote. Yeah, I'm looking here. His Yeah, his last fight was March 13th against Ozemir. Yeah, decision win. St. Prude, decision win. So, you know, not as exciting. He had a knockout against Jared Cannonier in May 19, uh, in May of 2018. So, yeah, man, to me, it's like, just give us Jan. Yeah, and also, you know, like I said, I know Jan hasn't gotten a ton of TV time before this year. He's no joke. He's been putting in work, and I think that the Rockhold knockout is going to alert a lot of people to like, hey, you know, 
it, the first time you saw this guy was fighting Tiago Santos, you are not aware of his full range of capabilities. This dude is a very tough contender in the light heavyweight division. And um, yeah, I think that, look, uh, if you're Dominic Reyes, you're looking for the fight with like the Corey Anderson or someone like that. Um, maybe Anthony Smith, if he's uh, feeling like a comeback later this year, uh, instead of taking so much time off. I think that that's what you do. Um, I know Johnny Walker's looking to come back. I think he's still got more work than Dominic, even if you could argue he has more hype. So I think that, you know, not to say it so bluntly, but just get in there and get some fights in. I think that's the quickest way to be the next guy for a title shot if you're Dominic and Johnny Walker. We already feel like it's going to happen. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of stuff on this card. Michael Chiesa gets Diego Sanchez. You had Arnold Allen, you had Claudia Gadea. Did anybody else stand out that you wanted to talk about from UFC 239? Stand out for their pre-fight um, performance, I would say Diego Sanchez. I just loved watching all his interviews. <laughs> he was... The, the, the cue, I, I felt so bad because Diego talked for so long with every person. I think that he did it on purpose. He was just like, I'm going to talk to less people, but I'm going to give you more bang for your buck. Yeah. And he's and I felt so bad that we didn't see him at the Hall of Fame because I would have been like, Diego, do you have the box with you? Yes, the box. I was ready for him to pull it out of the pocket. <laughs> it is right here. The box in which and he just goes off. Yeah. I mean, you know, I would like to for him to see him get a bigger box just for you know, <laughs> make it would just look better on camera. But yeah, the box was a dream. I was like, oh my God, he was holding it this whole time. Just waiting for the moment when he could say, "I'm not, I'm not in the box. I don't even know how he phrased it." That was great. He, he, he brought his props for UFC 239. I, I'm impressed. Good job. Yeah, you. and you know that was tough to watch because he set it up so well, like this, you know, this change in camp and mindset and anti-aging and all these things. I mean, he really got me fired up. And, yeah, but... uh, he was just too small. He was just too small for uh, you know against Kiesa, and he just couldn't do his thing. And Kiesa executed a lot of stuff well. He never really gave Diego the chance to get into that fight. No. Um, credit to Diego, and Kiesa acknowledged it. He just seemed to wiggle out of a lot of good um, positions on the bottom, and that's a testament to how tough he is. Um, what was I going to say? Before we move on, what do you think about this one corner man thing for Diego? Very strange. I, I Look, I'm a sucker for a good sales pitch, and so I bought in to his pitch hook line and sinker but once it was fight time and you know we cut to round one corner advice and it was kind of like oh that's it that's all you're gonna say <laughs> mr fabia it was just like it's time to be mike tyson or something it's like a little more strategy might have helped you know but i guess i've never really paid attention to the corner advice he used to get so maybe that's what works for him um but i think a second opinion in those uh in those minute you know, in between the rounds would have been maybe would have would have helped. A couple more X's and O's from somebody. Somebody, yeah. Yeah, I was a little um I, I think there's a reason they grant you all the people. Diego, take advantage of it. That would be my only yeah, thing. Bring your mom. Oh. I mean whoever. <laughs> well hey, hey, look, maybe I'll be wrong in the next fight. Um, you know, we get a little bit of an answer, but that was my thoughts on that one too. It's like um uh, I think he might need a little bit more help just watching this right now yeah but look I mean, like you said he sold it up very well and there was a lot of good stuff from the card god and bisping and everybody 
Um, the World MMA Awards were fun. I was very irate. I was listening, and they were talking about best MMA programming, and they have UFC embedded. I think they had Joe Rogan or MMA Hour, something like that. And they get done with the nominees, and I'm like, where is MMA Daily? This is just a travesty. This is disrespectful. I, was, I had my speech and everything. It was insulting. Yeah, I was just like, dude, I, believe that I, I was ready to accept our award. I thought we were the front runner there. I was, <laughs> you know, I got to talk to the Academy. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's, always, yeah, that's exactly. it. That's the plan. Next year is our There's year. always next year. No, but um, good stuff. Good stuff. A very fun card. A lot of yep. little stuff being <laughs> announced and obviously a big week in MMA. I think everyone let the UFC have their moment. Now we're moving forward. Israel Adesanya versus Robert Whitaker is official for October. Everyone is saying it's going to happen in Australia, but the backup is Las Vegas in case they can't get a good venue down under. Um, what are your thoughts on Rob Whitaker coming back? I think that was the big thing. Is he okay for a five-round fight with a guy like Adesanya after having the um the hernia back in uh, February? Yeah, I think he's... Look, he takes this very seriously. He wouldn't come back if he wasn't ready. Yeah. I mean, you're talking to the man who, like, you know, pulled out of the fight day of, right? So... I'm not. I'm not concerned about his his readiness, his physical, you know, state, health. He's good to go. Wouldn't wouldn't agree if he wasn't, especially if you know we're looking at a fight in Australia, which uh, he, he hasn't. He has he actually fight been Dave able to Brunson, fight in Australia I think, yet he was for his all main good. card? But the, <laughs> his main event. But he fights. has obviously two pullouts out of Australia since he's the champ. Okay. Yeah. So he's looking for double redemption here, and and he's like the most serious, one of the most serious-minded fighters I can think of. So he's not messing around. He's definitely ready. This is going to be so exciting. Australia, New Zealand, you know, fighting for the belt. Whitaker doesn't really talk much, but he's not afraid to give it to you. If you're, you know, if you give him lip or something, he'll cut you down. Adesanya has this wonderful yeah, personality. Yeah, me too. I, I so think I'm that great. I'm, I'm wouldn't be coming back unless he was healthy. And I think all of that is a good sign. They already have such an interesting dynamic. Like Adesanya saying, well, Rob started talking trash first because he posted the meme. And Rob Whitaker was like, yeah, I did post that picture. I'm sorry. And then Adesanya's like, don't apologize. <laughs> It's just this whole weird interaction, but once again, it, it adds <laughs> these are two very interesting personalities that are colliding, and they are two exciting styles. Like I said, and I told Adesanya this, there are a lot of good fights this year. This is the fight that, for my money, is going to be the one that steals the show. I think it's going to be great, so I'm ready for it. I'm glad. I hope that, you know, for my sake, they don't have it in Australia because I'd love to be there. But I do want to. I do think that they're going to make the stadium happen. They're going to make Australia, New Zealand, the next big, major uh, MMA uh, um, location for the year where they have a mega card. I think that this fight it does it breaks the numbers down there for sure. Yeah. Moving on. The last time we saw you guys sure. to talk about yeah. PFL, yeah. Kayla Harrison goes to decision. 
Sarah Kaufman wins by first round finish, making the intrigue. PFL returns, you know, they've had a couple fights, but the big names are back in action. Kayla and Ray Cooper. What do you think? What do you think about what's been going on? Where do you, how are you feeling as we kind of get back into the storyline? I'm excited to see Kayla again because she did great in her last fight. She, uh, she dominated her opponent and everyone made a lot of hay over her reaction. And to me, it was like, no, man, that's just, she takes this seriously and she really wants to do her best. She's an Olympic gold medalist, a two-time Olympic gold medalist. Like, we can't even understand what that kind of, uh, you know, the kind of mindset it takes to do that. So for me, that wasn't a big thing. It just shows how committed she is to making it in the sport. And she's got a great personality, great TV presence. So I just want to see her continuing to, to fight and improve, you know. Of course, it would be, oh, man, we, we were texting about it when it happened. Sarah Kaufman, do not sleep on her, dude. She is there to take that prize. And uh, I hope I hope it ends up being, you know, them at the end. But uh, I don't know. It's It, it, it looks like it, but who knows? Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited. This is, of all the fights in PFL, this division, of all the divisions, I should say, this is the division I'm most excited about. I mean, it's the one that people are setting up for sure. Just the same way we were all expecting MVP versus Rory in the final for Bellator. Um, I think that uh, when I look at it, obviously it's on Kayla Harrison. It's one thing to just keep doing your thing. It's another thing to grow. At the end of the day, I think that the competition is getting better. I think at the end of the day, you have men and women who are like, look, or sorry, just women. Or like, look, I want to be the one who takes out Kayla Harrison. I want to steal that shine and be that person. So it's not just about, you know, getting those wins. It's about how much is she growing and developing in between fights. I think that's going to be the real key. She's at an amazing camp to learn that in American Top Team. But that's the question. Then if you're Sarah Kaufman, at 155 after she used to fight at 135, can she keep this up? She looked great in the first one. She's easily the most experienced fighter in the PFL women's division. Can she now, you know, show that her experience is going to be enough for the whole tournament uh, after she gives up so much size? That's my big question. I think obviously the experience versus the athleticism for Kaufman versus uh, Harrison, uh, that's interesting. But I think that that's the question. You got two women who do need to prove something. And I think that that is where the real hook of watching the tournament right now is for them. Um, once again, going back to it, Ray Cooper and the other welterweights are in action. Um, once again, Ray Cooper's kind of like Hawaiian Jorge Masvidal. He just gets out there like a beast and gets after it. I love it. And um, it's good TV, plain and simple. Yeah, it is good TV. This whole, his, you know, his first bout and this season with his cousin, that whole rivalry really hyped it up pretty well and it ended up kind of just being a a regular fight you know they (laughs) they couldn't he he couldn't knock the guy out or anything but uh still it was it was good to watch he is a little bit reckless and he you know he goes for those he goes into brawler mode pretty quickly even though wrestling's his his uh his initial like his bread and butter i guess but uh yeah always fun to watch like you just you just want to see him knock somebody out Let's see, John Howard looking at this guy. That's his opponent. Doomsday. Yep. 
So, I mean, that's a good looks, one. Stylistically, because yeah, Dom swings too. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I think it'll be good stuff, and obviously we'll be talking about it next week too when we recap everything. But PFL is rolling along, and I think that um, is there as much intrigue because it's not the first season? I would argue that for sure is that. Now that it's really established, I think now you almost want them to have the free agent signing. You almost want them to grab like a, you know, like hypothetically, imagine if they got like a Brian Ortega for their featherweight division, somebody big like that. I think that that's what PFL just needs. They need that one that's like, dude, I need to see this person in there. I think, you know, they just have to either develop their names or they need to look at one of the free agents. And I think that that's the next phase is now they're going to have the big star and I think that's what we're waiting on the first season was brand new we have a few storylines but I think the next thing is they need to have that one fighter that is like legit this might be one of the best people in this weight class of um all of MMA yeah on the men's on the men's side I can't I can't think of who they could like who's even eligible but cyborg of course on the women's side even though there's a lot going on at Bellator that would be you know good for her Yep. They could sign her and do like with Kayla Harrison the first season they just had her fight, you know, out of the tournament, like, you know, outside of the tournament. Cyborg could even do that, you know, for their end of the year fight if they signed her. I don't know actually if that's possible with her contract and whatever with UFC, but um, you know, get her into the New Year's fight and then put her in the tournament next season. That would be awesome. Let me look into my crystal ball. Imagine this. Cyborg beats Felicia Spencer. Kayla Harrison loses in the tournament. And then the on the finale, Sarah Kaufman fights someone else for the, for the title, but they have Cyborg versus Harrison on the undercard. Ooh. <laughs> I'm there. I did it. I saw the future. Dude, I like it. I mean, you got to have imagination. No, but look, like you said, for sure. I mean, um, and look, as more... There's only so much TV time to go around. The fight, the big names of the division and in MMA, they are aware of the options. And I think that if the right situation comes up, we'll see that guy or girl, you know, that wants to come over and just make the noise at PFL. And I think it just hasn't happened yet because right now everyone's pretty locked into something. But it'll get there. The big name, whether it's through signing or development, they'll get there, plain and simple. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Moving on to Bellator, because we do still have some UFC fights. They have a big card um, from Oklahoma. Julia Budd, their featherweight champion, taking on Olga Rubin. Now, Olga is kind of like the Rafael Lovato Jr. She has a big challenge ahead of her for being young in her career. Uh, 8-0, but obviously Julia is a huge step up in competition for her. I mean, real quick, what are your thoughts on this? And also... Julia Budd is very well aware that Chris Cyborg could be coming later this year, possibly. So what do you think that fight is to Julia Budd in particular? I think she wants to make a statement, finish her fast, and yeah, and make a case for uh, for Cyborg. And if, she, and if she's mm, ambitious enough or bold enough after she wins on the mic, she should call Cyborg out, you know? That's the way to make that happen. Yeah, I think, and by, mind you, if you've ever, if you've never seen Olga Rubin, very solid. I think it's a very fun fight with Julia Budd. Once again, she's under the radar, but she had decent stand-up that I saw, and 
I think it makes it fun for um, it's going to be a fun challenge for Julia. It's one that Julia can't just roll out of bed and handle business on. Uh, for my money, though, I this is kind of it for Julia. But I think she gets that one. And then, like you said, just set it up and just be like cyborg. Just we're ready for you here. You know, we will welcome you with open arms. We won't be doing any of this funny business that is going on over there. Just come on, let's get this smoke. Let's make some money and put on a show. I think that that's exactly what's going to happen. And I think if you're Julia, th that's the thing about it. You win this one, this kind of sets it up. This kind of puts the ball in Cyborg's court to say, hey, I have Julia over there. I have these other options. You know, how much do I really want UFC? And I think that that's not a bad position to put her in. So I think it's going to be fun, but it makes that very interesting. Then you have Christina Williams and Juliana Velasquez in the flyweight division. The winner of that one likely gets Alima McFarlane in uh, December in Hawaii is the rumor. So I think that that's, it's a very underrated, but it's a very good card for a uh, Friday in Bellator. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so good stuff. Um, let me ask you, if you're Julia Budd and you knock out Olga in the first round, what is your post-fight speech like? I would do it really respectfully from like a martial artist perspective. I would say, Chris Cyborg, let's fight. You you want another uh, you know notch on your belt? Come challenge for the Bellator Championship. Scott Coker respects MMA fighters. He'll respect you. Let's have a proper uh, let's have a proper scrap. You're too nice, Natalie. That's well, why I think, we love I think you. that's the angle. <laughs> no, it's not that. It's just, I think that's the angle that you're going to need to get Cyborg. Like the 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 backstory with Cyborg and 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 uh, Dana White. You know, if you you go back to when Rousey was knocked out by home and that podcast on the airplane that he did with Joe Rogan, and they're talking about Cyborg and you know saying some distasteful things. Like she never forgot that, even though she signed yeah. with him. So she doesn't like that guy. He doesn't like her, and and he never respected her. And so, uh, I think that what she wants is respect. And if Julia Bud yeah. knows what's up, she'll make sure that to use that as a selling point. And and everyone always says Scott Coker he respects fighters, right? So that would be my yes. Uh, I mean, uh, I like it. I guess I would like to have more fun. I'd just be there. I'd I like <laughs> to have the open arms on camera. Like, hey, hey, girl. We're here for you. We're, we're we can hang out. Let's just have fun. We got friend. We're all friends over here. We got donuts on Friday. You you <laughs> want to be a part of this? Yeah, the, uh, I would just be. I'd be so cheesy about it. I'd be like, "Come on, girl. You 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 don't want to hang out with them anymore. We, we're ready. We will take care of you here." I'd be so cheesy about it. Redress Fridays. Let's go, cyborg. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We got we got the holiday party, you know it's popping in uh, December. I mean, all that good stuff, you know. No, but I, I think that she will acknowledge it. The media won't let her ignore it for sure. So that's where we're at. Moving on, there is fights back in UFC. They own, which is a very interesting one. Before we talk about the fights, do you notice that their open workouts that they promoted? It is all team alpha male, but then ironically, there's no Jermaine or Aspen Ladd in Sacramento. No, I didn't even realize that. Is that for real? Yes, because they have like Uriah, Josh Emmett, some other guys, but they are not having Jermaine and Aspen because it's all at team alpha male. Oh, like they're literally doing the open workouts at team alpha male? 
Yes, and there's uh, Aspen and Jermaine aren't on the list. That's weird. Or at least that I saw. Uh, yeah, that's pretty strange. Um, I wonder why. I guess. I mean, look, when we talked about this a while ago, I thought that favor should have been the main event, and so maybe they're realizing like if they want to sell tickets, they got to just push him, and you know, you'll get an extra fight after that if you stick around. Uh, it's like Jose Aldo not being the main event earlier this year when they had um Marlon and Rafael. It's kind of like, look, they just didn't want to throw him into 25 minutes early but um, after he's been out. But I think that they're aware, like, come on, guys. We know whose house it is. Yeah. We know who you came to see. And uh, I, I'm all for it. I would take Uriah. Just just invite the girls. We, no one likes to feel left out. Just, you know, just be like, hey, they're going to come work out. There can be... Two, t- you know, alpha females for the day. Just come on, join the party. That's definitely strange. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, look, that's a fun fight. Obviously, Uriah, the experience. If he's healed up, then that's a fun challenge for a tough young guy in Ricky Simone. So that's it. But we talked about it already. Jermaine versus Aspen Ladd. The winner is the top bantamweight contender. Even if Amanda goes back up to 145, what are your thoughts on the fight? I'm looking forward to this fight. It's been a while since I've seen Jermaine Durandamy. Maybe she fought more recently and I just didn't catch it. Um, yep. But, you know, she was always an impressive striker. And Aspen Ladd has, like, she's just young and hungry and gritty. So I think she's going to take it to uh, to Durandamy. And uh, I have, uh, I won't make a, well, do you want to make picks now or no? <laughs> oh, go ahead. You, you know what? Let me uh, let me get my analysis. Sure, sure. We'll go. Yes, okay. Um, you know what? Jermaine, excellent striking. I think athletically, she is far more powerful. She got the pop over Aspen for sure, and you got to respect that. Aspen wins by making this ugly. She got to get in her face. She got to drag her down. She's got to do her best. John Fitch, Colby Covington, just make this one gritty. Um, and I think that the key is that in 25 minutes, just wear her down, honestly. Just wrestle Jermaine, just make her work. That's going to take all of that explosiveness out of her over time. And I do think that Aspen has the style that can do that. If you're Jermaine, straight punches down the middle. Look for her to change levels. Try to time her with the uppercuts and knees. Chop away at the calf with leg kicks. All of that counteracts all of the grittiness of Aspen. So for my money... That's how the fight goes, but I'm going to let the you go, ladies first. Who wins this one? Well, I like what you said. 100% it all makes sense, and uh, and I'm going with Aspen just because she's got that young, young lion energy. Even though, just looking at the stats, she's like three inches shorter, five inch less on the reach, but I think she'll find a way to get in to close the distance and uh, just overwhelm Jermaine. They go in five rounds, right? I guess it's the main event. Yep, yep. So, yeah, it could be interesting. I don't know uh, about cardio. Who would have the advantage there? I think it would probably be Jermaine. But but I'm still going to pick Ladd. I'm going to pick Aspen Ladd. Like, decision, I guess. It's kind of hard because I don't mm-hmm. see her finishing Jermaine, but I also have a hard time seeing it go five rounds. You know what? I got to go the other end. I think Jermaine, I think Jermaine, everyone, I, I think that low-key, she trains takedown defense on the daily. She knows everyone wants to take her off her feet, and 
I think that the experience for her, I think that she's been around a while. I think she's just had more time to train MMA. I think that at the end of the day, she's just going to do the damage every time Aspen comes in. And I think that she's going to get the job done. Um, it is tough. Aspen, I don't think is going to go away quietly. I just think that at the end of the day, the experience of Jermaine gets the job done. I think that she neutralizes the attack of Aspen. And I think it's just a little too much too soon. It is a tough fight, but I think that Jermaine has the weapons that she needs to get this one out. So I'm going to go with Jermaine. I think that it's going to be a TKO third or fourth. I think she's just going to have to do the work to break her down. Oh, nice. Okay. I mean, that makes it a more fun fight than I figured. So I hope it goes your way. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? And then I think that, um, what's her name? Nico Montano returns, the, fly- the former flyweight champion. That'll be an interesting one to watch. And then, of course, guys, next week we are back for UFC San Antonio. Rafael Dos Anjos takes on Leon Edwards in a fight that comes together with just over a month, I feel like. So, very interesting main event there for the welterweight division. Obviously, everything at welterweight is more, you know, more closely watched after everything that happened with Jorge. So, very interesting fight but natalie where can the fans find you to keep up with you to talk about all these fights oh boy okay straight puncher no take it back zamudio rama <laughs> 5 on twitter zamudio rama on instagram and uh straightpunch.com is the website awesome guys follow miss zamudio rama 